Hello again and welcome to The Vinyl Crawl, your weekly podcast about beer and vinyl records. I'm your host, Alan Miller. This is a really good episode today. I talked to Scott Johansson from the Damn Fine cast and the Damn Fine Network, which is another podcast you guys should all be checking out. Uh, we talked about the Velvet Underground as well as England and Can and a couple of other bands that, that we both really enjoy. Uh, we had a great chat, um, great time talking to him. Now, like the last podcast episode, I want to let you hear a sample of something that is from the very last record store day and is still available for purchase at bullmoose.com. So check it out. So what you're listening to is the original music from ABC TV's Dark Shadows, which was a release in 1969 and reissued for this last record store day um, on a, it's like a reddish swirly color vinyl. Beautiful release, comes with a poster just like the original did back in the day, and it's available at Bull Moose right now for $22.97. Um, I bought it on Record Store Day, and it's been one of my favorite. Um, I, you know, I grew up watching Dark Shadows a lot on Sci-Fi Channel when it was in syndication on reruns. So this this record meant quite a bit to me when I got it, and I still listen to it pretty often. But uh, it sounds good. It's it's a cool color vinyl, and it's a really neat package. So hope you enjoy the talk I had with Scott Johansson. We went through lots of different things, and there's a really hilarious story from him at the end. Uh, I had a great time talking to him, and you know, check out uh, check out Damn Fine Cast on SoundCloud. If you go SoundCloud.com forward slash The Damn Fine Cast, you can see all their different episodes and give them a listen. Lots of good interviews and things like that on there. So enjoy. So I guess first, welcome to the Vinyl Crawl, Scott. Um, Hi, Alan. Hey, man. Uh, good to have you on. You know, I was on your podcast not too long ago. We had a good time chatting about some uh, records and whatnot. Yeah, you did. You didn't disgrace yourself on a silly quiz, which is always good. It was a lot of fun, though. That that was a good time. <laughs> it's it's such a great idea for a podcast too to have like a a deal where you can play a little bit off a record and then try to guess the tune. It's like a really really hard name that tune. Like, yeah, as yeah. hard as it gets. I was a bit more kind of uh, highbrow in my thinking about it. I thought of, do you know the Wire magazine? Wire? Yeah, it's um, like a British, um, I think it's monthly. It might actually be because I don't really buy magazines anymore. I think it might be monthly. but it <laughs> No, I'm not, I'm not familiar. I'm not familiar it's, with it. It's quite, uh, it's quite a strokey beard kind of uh, music magazine. And um, they do this thing called Invisible Jukebox where they play 
they play like a bunch of stuff to some highbrow fancy pants That's artist cool. and uh, yeah and they have to kind of but they're always things that are in their wheelhouse so it'd be like you know if they have somebody from ecm it'll be a bunch of ecm ish type stuff and right. they're just I guess they're kind of like, I, I never wanted our quiz to be like trying to trip people up. So that's why I thought, you know, I'll try and I'll try and play into people's kind of comfort zone as much as I can. But uh, I don't know whether, do you know, I don't know whether any of that comes across because I get absolutely no feedback about that, that show <laughs> at all. It's weird. Well, do you find this with podcasting? It's like some yeah. things you do and it's you get a lot of attention and feedback and you're like, oh, people like yes. that. Yeah, and other things I, I don't. Like, it seems like for me, last season of Vinyl Crawl, I got tons of feedback. And then this season, it's like a ghost town. I'm not getting <laughs> anything. I like my my listens are halfway down to where they were last oh, year. Last season. I'm not sure exactly. I don't know if it's just summertime. It's so hot that everybody doesn't give a shit about anything right now. That's very true. But yeah, <laughs> That's very true. I feel your pain on the feedback. The, the only thing people care about, it seems, is um, making sure that, that your man doesn't end up... Uh, with his finger on the nuclear button, but we'll prob- <laughs> probably like uh, get a couple of beers in us before we go anywhere. Yeah, we'll, we'll wait till we get wait till we get one or two down before we dive and in, dive into that one. But let's let's talk about your podcast first and get that kind of out in the open about yeah, what sure. you do with uh, with damn fine podcasts and that sort of thing. Yeah, um, we've been going for about a year or so. Actually, it's a bit longer than a year now, and um, we're up to about sixty episodes coming up. It's, huge. it's a big it's, deal. It's, yeah, um, we've managed to keep it going, and it's myself and uh, Tony Tony Giles who it's it's his baby really. He kind of approached me. We we sort of became friendly uh, through the internet. Um, both obviously had like quite sort of dovetail kind of music interest and movies and stuff like that. So he he was the one who just took the incentive to <clears throat> kind of actually f- figure out that we weren't that far apart from each other geographically speaking, and. Uh, and I seemed like a person who was involved in doing stuff with sound and music and things like that. So, how strange was the first meeting you guys had? Like the first uh, real life meeting? It was in a pub, actually. Um, yeah. It wasn't. I tell a lie. It wasn't in a pub. That was the second meeting. The first time I met him, he came to a record fair that I was DJing at, and I literally saw him for like thirty seconds. He just sort of popped in because he'd found out. There was a, a record fair that had quite a lot of soundtracks close to me. Right. Uh, sort of once a month during the summer. And he he kind of, he came along with his girlfriend and I literally just looked up from the record, said, oh, hey, how you doing? And then went back to my business. But um, uh, then then he had this idea and then he got in touch with me and said, do, do you think you'd be up for recording like a demo and see if this works? Just um, And at that time, to be honest, um, the idea of me speaking was not in my mind at all like my first my first thought was i'm going to record him make him sound good and if he wants to have some kind of like an oppo in the background almost like barely you can barely hear me in the background off mic just like shouting out to me every now and again and i'd say yeah i agree and really really quickly like that just went out the window and i was co-hosting with him which is completely not what i was expecting not it, my comfort it, zone like i think it works really well with you guys though it's almost like a good cop <laughs> bad cop kind of thing he's the pro and i'm yeah. the chancer yeah yeah it's uh <laughs> but i was curious about like how you guys first met up because like us record guys are usually a pretty nomadic bunch we you know, yeah. we're always watching out for the other guy that's going to steal that record we're looking for. So that's true. Yeah, it, yeah. it can be a little shifty when you try to like make friends with another record collector. 
I'm not like that. I don't think Tony is either, to be honest with you. I think um, neither one of us has got too much of a, a hair of that about us. I think we're, we're both quite... I mean, the reason we do the podcast is because we want to share stuff with other people right. and um, let other people know about new stuff, especially, that they might, they might not. And we kind of figured this out pretty early on that there's a lot of interest. Um, you know, the last couple of years, there's been a lot of interest in the film music world and vinyl coming into it in a big way. And those are both things that we both, I mean, I was listening to soundtrack music as I bollock on about anytime anybody asks me, it's always the same story, sadly, but I got into film music when I was really young. Right. And so I was listening to like film scores when I was like 12, 13, 14. And, and, you know, the people that I knew at school, they just, I, I was literally the only person that I knew who was actually just for fun listening to film music and taping stuff off TV. And so, of course, when you get a bit older and you find out there's actually a massive community of people, all geeks doing the same thing that you were doing. But, you know, in my small little pocket of the world, I seemed like a bit of a rarity. Yeah. And, it, um, and it seems like that with the, with the current boom in soundtracks and scores being released on vinyl, it's helped to bridge the gap for all of us so we can yeah, kind of have a yeah. conversation instead of just being the outsiders even definitely in, even yeah. in a niche market of vinyl we're like even more niche than that that's it it's it's a niche within a niche and and we always joke about that you know i mean we're, we were genuinely amazed that we had listeners we we both thought we'll do a few of these for ourselves we'll do them for fun and um, pretty much like I would say that it was view it, viewer, uh, listener kind of led really. Like we, we got enough people interested and who would actually contact us and say, oh man, that thing you played, I'm going to be picking that up. Or, uh, you know, damn you, I've got more records to buy this month, that kind of thing. Yeah. And that just sort of spurs you on and think, you think, well, we'll do this as long as people seem to like it. You know, that, that's, that's, the, that's one thing that I do enjoy about your podcast a lot is that you give, you know, quick samples of everything you're yeah, talking about yeah. so you can... Yeah kind of get a feel of what you know what you're listening to so sure, that so yeah. that's your podcast now you're also a musician right by the way dude should i be should i be opening a beer at this time yeah i honestly don't know how it works with you for sure podcast. no um, no crack one open man I've i been, haven't had a chance to listen to, to this I, show yet i'm really sorry i've been drinking for like the last 10 minutes already so it's, <laughs> it's definitely okay, look, time i'm, gonna, to I'm gonna give you an audible uh audible uh, bottle cap here there you go so um i'm drinking ho garden by the way i kind of uh I, I took a left turn into Ho Garden at the right. last second, spontaneously. Which is German heffy, right? Um, it's a, it's a blonde. It's like a, a white beer, vice beer, a wheat beer. Ah, okay. Sorry, um, gotcha. and it's uh, very very fruity. It's not for everyone, um, and it's Belgian, not German. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's very very fruity, very flowery, um, but it's great. Uh, it's a great summer drink. Um, you know, it's a kind of like. So I was going to get some cider in. It's that kind of a feel. You can have it with ice cubes. It's very, yeah. Yeah, it's very light drink. Um, it's good shit. Well, we, cheers. Were, you know, we were talking. Yeah, cheers to you. So we were talking about, um, you know, about the wheat beers because I'm a big fan of wheat beer as well. It mm -hmm. just so happens that the other guy that I normally do the podcast with is a more Can't like that shit. He's a hophead. Like he loves <laughs> yeah. hoppy beer. Like the more hops, the better. So it seems like that the majority of the time we're doing IPAs. So it's great uh -huh. to have some wheat beer on this time. I'm yeah, actually I've struggled I, with the IPA thing. I'm not. Yeah. I'm, I really am not a fan of um, beer. Beer. It's and, um, it's it's a definite like you're probably not gonna like it the first time you try it. It's one yeah, of those things yeah. where you try a few of them and then you kind of find a path to go down, and then you come back around to the other ones later. 
sure. which is which doesn't sound like a very enjoyable no, experience. Well, no, no, it's absolutely right. And the funny thing is that I I felt really uncultured being being a Brit that doesn't like beer, doesn't like ale. Yeah. Um, I got to the point where actually, like almost everybody else I know, is really heavily into beers, and uh, you know, go, goes to beer festivals, and right. it's all about going to proper pubs that have real ales and things. And I thought, you know what, I need to give it a chance. So, well, you know, in and the states, it's a big deal now. I've seen, I've seen at least three off. or four. Well, even bridging the gap between vinyl and beer, there's at mm. least three or four stores I've seen that actually have taps in yeah. the in the record shop. So there's a couple That's in North Carolina and there's I think one maybe in Tennessee where you can right. go in and browse your, you know, browse your records and get a glass of beer while you're looking around. That sounds like a Portland thing to me or something. Yeah, like that. I'm sure like oh, a, yeah, I'm sure they do that in Portland. There's no slightly no hipster. Doubt. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's not even slightly hipster. It's 100% hipster. But yeah. I, it's still a cool thing. Like it's nice yeah, to be able yeah. to it's kind of like the way we do with movie theaters here where you can grab a beer and watch a movie. Sure. It, it kind of yeah. goes hand in hand. Well, that's the European way, you know, right? right. Every, everywhere in Europe apart from Britain, that is where you can just sort of like have a beer and yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's good yeah, that's it's kind of new to us a bit. We have to... I, re- I really tried that. I, after New Year, I, I tried to drink ale and um, I did it for about a month. I'd, every time I'd go out with people, I'd have an ale instead of my usual sort of safety zone. And I really gave it its day in court and it's just not stuck. I'm yeah. just not drawn to it. I'm not drawn to that, but like you say, the hoppy the heavy hoppy kind of taste but uh it's you know it's the different strokes thing where there's at least there's enough different beer out there where everyone can find something they enjoy well that's it and and to be honest if i had the choice it would be spirits anyway for me i'm more of a grain alcohol kind of kind of dude so um i'm much more likely to have a jack daniels or a or a vodka or something if i go out for a drink but um, seems like i tend i tend to lean towards like really high in gin when i'm out having Mm. drinks like that's that's Does my it make you weep, you. though? That's the question. <laughs> Weak or weep? Which, weep. No, uh, it's, it's very famously makes people quite melancholy. Really? Yeah. Doesn't I, do it to me, though. It just no, makes me, me really, really ill. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's kind of the thing. Like, once the juniper wears off, then I just kind of get sick. Oh, man, I just throw it back. And yeah. the next day, ooh, the regret, as they say. It's harsh. So, so you picked wheat beer, and I also let you pick a live album that you like this time, which is why we're going to yeah. talk about the Velvet Underground live at Max's Kansas City. Yep. Which is a great, great album. That was oh. a great pick. Do you think so? Oh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. You can probably you can probably say more about it than me because it's funny. When you when you actually mentioned a live album uh, for the show, I, I kind of like immediately thought of four or five. Right. And three of those were just so weird and obscure. I just thought, oh, what's the point of, you know, kind of talking about those? Like, no one would have heard, have heard them or that kind of thing. Yeah. So I sort of plucked Live at Max's Kansas City because I love the Velvet Underground. Um, the weird thing is I don't actually own a copy of it. Now that I've, now that I've looked into it, I realized that I don't have a copy of that on vinyl. Well, lucky and... enough, there's a, there's a new remastered version oh, is there? that oh, came okay. out either this year or the end of last year. We keep it in the shop most of the time. Like I work right, at a record right. shop as well. So we That's keep it, we keep it in the shop most of the time and it, it stays in stock. That's, is that's that like, album. um, expanded, uh, it is the reissue. Yeah. yeah. It's expanded and remastered. Yeah. It's got so a few it has extra like songs. And, yeah, it uh, does. After hours, yep. stuff like that on it. Yeah, um, yeah. I really don't know it that well, but I say I plucked it because I'm a fan of the band. And the, the, the weird thing is that um, 
listened to it in the last week or so, just kind of like re-familiarizing myself with it. Yeah. I realized that I don't actually love it. <laughs> it's a funny thing. I like it. It's fine. But yeah. I've got this sort of like weird relationship. It's not even that weird. I'm, I'm a huge fan of the first couple of albums. And then it all gets very complicated for me. Well, the thing about the thing about this live at Max's Kansas City, which the history of the Max's Kansas City was it was kind of like a hole in the wall. It's a mm-hmm. it's a tiny club that everybody played at in, in that time period. But it it just got this reputation as being this club where everybody was at, not necessarily being a great club, just a Is it club. Still going? That it, what's that? It's not still going. No, I don't think so. I think it shut no. down a long time ago, but um but the Velvets played there early in their career, which is this recording, yeah. and it's rough as shit. It's like it so, is, so rough. <laughs> I mean, the the intros are the best part, I think, in most yeah. of the album because Lou Reed is, you know, he's being a snarky self, and he really is. I mean, this is his that, last. His he last says that "Waiting for the Man" is a '50s folk song. That's how yeah. he introduces it. <laughs> yeah, and like, and on that song, right from the get go, there's some really shonky guitar playing uh, right at the yeah, top. Yeah, he stomps it out from the beginning. Just, he just yeah, stomps it yeah. to start it. That's about it. It's called "I'm Waiting for the Man," a tender folk song from the early '50s about love between man and subway. I'm sure you're all in charge. I've, I kind of like loved the dynamic of Lou and John Cale. Yeah. And so I'm not, you're obviously not alone in that, um, you know. Is that, right. I was trying to remember who said it. It was that famous quote about like, not very many people bought the first Velvet Underground album, but yeah, is everyone it, is it John who did Peel? started a band. Was that a John Peel quote? It might well have been, you know, it might well have been, yeah. Every, everybody who bought it actually started a band because of it. So I don't think that's um, fair. I think that might not be too far off. Yeah. But I loved, I loved uh, what John Cale brought to that band as well. And um, yeah, for me, everything after that, especially when, when it got to the point where even Lou Reed was at the door, is is kind of like there's some interesting stuff, but I'm not really, my heart's not in it anymore. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, this, this album is right, right there at that point where Cale's been given the boot and... Uh, you know, Lou was just about to leave as well. So it's like, it, it, there's a kind of funny feeling to this album. There is. Well, um, there, there's no Nico on it. That's one thing. No Nico, yeah. Well, there's not even any Mo Tucker. I mean, she was on maternity leave, apparently. So <laughs> so they drafted uh, someone else in. But um, yeah, anyway, an odd choice for, for a favorite record since after after everything I've just said. <laughs> like out of, out of most of the songs on there, which one do you like the most? I've got to go with um, ooh, probably I'll Be Your Mirror or um, like New Age is pretty great. Yeah. Um, and Femme Fatale. But it's it's just odd. It's like hearing, because um, as you say, the quality is so It's strange. terrible, yeah. It's a mono recorder um, just onto a, a cassette it's like if It's like if your like, little brother started a garage band and you're in yeah. your bedroom reading and you hear them out there playing. That's kind of what it sounds like. It's it's almost charming, but then it's also kind of very pub pub band. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I really dig Film Fatale though. I, I like yeah, that one, and I love the good. intro when he says, 
we we learned an augmented chord so here's femme fatale (laughs) he's like you know we learned one chord outside of the three chords so here's here's one that we wrote with that chord some of the music that you play with your group uh is your group called larva is that right yeah yeah okay so so listening to some of that stuff do you guys take some influence from kind of the lo-fi quality of of stuff like velvet underground um i don't know um probably because we like it i don't i don't think we ever sat down and had a conversation about what we were going to be yeah that's for sure but um i think it'd be fair to say that stuff like i mean Nick, uh, Nick, who I'm in Lava, you know, together, we, we both have quite a lot of the same, like our Venn diagram of music is quite, the, the center is quite big. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, but I kind of also have like some stuff that's different enough from him that I think it makes it interesting for us both. Like, I know for a fact he doesn't listen to <laughs> Tangerine Dream records, <laughs> um, but he's much more likely to listen to something like William Bozinski for fun, which um, I'd probably like. I give it a go, yeah. <laughs> not necessarily, and um, so yeah, somewhere in the middle we get we get the, the stuff that I mean, and we both kind of like eighties, nineties kids, so we were growing up with like, uh, you know, My Bloody Valentine, right, and uh, you know that whole you know kind of noise uh, indie rock thing. So there's a little bit of that as well. But, yeah, we were talking online yeah. a little bit. You saw where I posted the uh, the soundtrack to Amateur. Yeah, just got a lot of that stuff on there. Oh, I love, I love how Hartley movie soundtracks are so great. That's that's my first one that I've seen. Like I've never, I haven't watched the movie yet, even. But that's the first, that's the first how Hartley soundtrack I've listened to, and I really want to get into more of it if it's if there's more like that. I don't actually even think of Yola Tango as a band. They're just a band that I know from Hal Hartley movies. It <laughs> really are. I mean, wow. and then I found out they did like dozens of records. And oh stuff yeah, and like, for oh, sure. Okay. They've been huge over here. Yeah, but it, to me, it's just no. That's the sound of that's the sound of a Hartley kind of uh, underscore. Is that is that? Yeah. I was, I thought amateur was a bit um, a bit strange as well because it it didn't come out that far away from like a soundtrack like singles. Mm. But yet amateur is way more like actual indie rock and underground than singles was. Singles was kind of hip to the time. Well, yeah, and I, I'll give Hal Hartley a bit more kind of uh, credibility uh, yeah. in terms of like actually being, uh, you know, kind of genuinely interested in what's going on in the music scene and in the writing world and in the film world and stuff. I think, I think he's, um, well, he's, he was anyway. I mean, I certainly stopped watching his films after a certain point. <laughs> they, they just became terrible. Yeah. Terrible, awful, awful films. But um, they, that, that stuff in the late 80s and through the 90s, I just love. I think the first one I saw was Simple Men, and I was just sat there, absolutely loving the movie, but just paying attention to every single bit of use of music, like critically, like wow, that's amazing what he's done there, and and then finding out that he was actually his own composer as well under a pseudonym, I was like, oh, I really like this guy. <laughs> so is that him doing the actual score to to Amateur, like on the... uh, his? Yeah, his pseudonym is uh, Ned Rifle. So oh, wow. um, there's some really great, like, there's a, there's a couple of CD compilations that I think I've pointed out one of them to you, where there's a few different ones that have a lot of his score stuff on. 
And um, in the CD, I remember, I don't have it anymore, but the CD had some notes by him and, and he said something about how on one particular cue, he's quite self-deprecating, he said, on this cue, I actually almost achieved a kind of guitar playing that wasn't awful or something like that. He's, <laughs> he's like clear, clearly somebody who just has to work at, you know, work at it and it's, yeah. uh, it's like a hobbyist type thing. But it kind of almost reminds me of um, the Bill Hicks thing in a way, kind of finding out that he was a... Uh, you know, uh, an axe man yeah. in, his, uh, in his downtime, and not a bad one at all. So, yeah, yeah, he just he didn't have the confidence to really, you know, take it out and play in front of people. That was his only yeah. his only deal with it. But. Really wanted to be a. I mean, you get the impression that probably Hal Hartley would have traded movie making for being in a an indie rock band if he could have. But um, well, he sure yeah. as hell knew how to pick the soundtrack for it. That's that's not yeah, really good. Yeah, really good musical sensibility. Um, and that, I, I really like Amateur. Uh, that, that's probably one of the the last films of his that I think is really good. Yeah, I'm going to have to give that one a watch. It the it's great. the synopsis really sounded great, so I'm going to have to to give it a look. Yeah. Martin Donovan um is just an actor that I only know from his films really. <laughs> Robert Burke, Martin Donovan, there's like you see them kind of pop up in things and you're like, yeah. "Oh no, you're you're a Hal Hartley actor. What are you doing?" <laughs> what are you doing in this movie? Yeah. Let's talk about that Can record because I'm a big fan of Can. Sure. Um, well, that was um, a concert from 1977 uh, in my hometown of Birmingham. It was at um, a place called Aston University, uh, which is which is a big university. And um, yeah, so Can came to Birmingham, and uh, it was it was kind of not. It, I mean, there's lots of different eras to Can. Yeah. And um, but it's a good era. It's a strong era. Um, I don't think they had either Damo or um, uh, uh, Malcolm Mooney, so there was no there's no uh, vocals on this recording. But um, you know, musically it's great. It's like you've got Caroli wanging it away and uh, um, Jackie Liebesite, greatest drummer in the world, doing his thing. So what um, what year did you say this was? Seventy seven. Seventy seven. Okay. So I think that's around the time of um, Zach Cannon Limited, maybe. Maybe not yeah. too sure around that time, but yeah, I was always fascinated by it. And then there's this label called BB who do this series of um, I always thought they were bootlegs, but they're like um, very, very simple, uh, clear uh, vinyl pressings in um, like sleeve, clear sleeves, sort of vinyl yeah. sleeves, and they're very little information on them, just like a little printed clear sheet. And they did a whole series of these live, uh, live pressings, so uh, so I was always keen to hear that one. And um, it didn't let me down. It's good. Uh, I just wish I'd actually been at the gig. I would have been seven years old, so that would have been interesting. <laughs> that would have but, blown um, your adolescent it would mind. Have, it would have been incredible. <laughs>
I did. I saw some gigs at Aston University that were great. I, I remember seeing um, Disposable Heroes of Hypocrisy and um, throwing up over a bunch of people. That was that was memorable. Oh, interesting. Yeah, just because the uh, the bass. Like when you go to gigs, sometimes like and you've had a drink or two, and the bass kind of really interferes with your. Uh, your, your workings yeah like your uh yeah like your inner ear or something like that like you get off balance or something well just right in the gut actually it's like oh it was, yeah it was, it was so heavy um on the, the bottom end that i just uh, immediately knew i had to throw up over everyone so Jesus. i tried i tried to be a gentleman about it but it didn't it didn't go exactly according <laughs> to plan so uh, all right run me through real quick how you are a gentleman about throwing up on people What's well the, uh, um if you really want to know the story it's not it's not like uh, it doesn't end well but i started off with the best intentions um as soon as I knew that I was going to throw up, uh-huh. I, uh, I made my way through the crowd, uh, holding on to it as best I could. Got to the got to the door, said to the guy at the door, "Which way's the men's toilet?" At which point he said this to me: "Yes, yeah, sure, mate. You want to go? Uh, it's like fifty yards down that corridor. Then your second, no, third left. Then go. You go up a flight of stairs. Then you, you want to go across that balcony. Don't turn right until you get to the very end. It's about another fifty yards. Then you go down the stairs." Come around, you'll be coming back on yourself at this point. Third mm. left, and then you'll be outside. Then you go across that <laughs> courtyard. There's a door. Go through that door. Second left on that corridor. There's the men's toilet. I was Got already, it. I was already running down this corridor as he was finishing the instructions. <laughs> I was like, oh! And I, I, to to my credit, I actually made it to the door to the entrance to the men's toilets before I started throwing up. Oh, that's fantastic! And I hit the I hit the door at speed. <laughs> <laughs> and I managed to just pelt about five innocent people in this toilet, just wham, you know, forty miles an hour, and uh, it was it was truly brutally embarrassing. Oh my it was God. like really really bad, but uh, yeah, they were all good sports about it. You know? Oh Jesus Christ! But I gave it my really did give it a college try. Yeah, to, uh, no, it know, feels to... like it feels like you did your best. Oh I mean, man! <laughs> and it, you know, if you hit that, if you hit the door. Uh, do we consider that a success? I mean, that's that's the really, age-old question, right? I, I, I actually don't think it's for me to say. Yeah, that's true. That's it, that's not for you to decide. The, the panel of judges were were. Um, I'd say they're on the unimpressed side. Really, I was getting ones, twos. <laughs>